You're listening to Break Your Ego, Find Your Soul with Ramsey Bergeron. Well, and today is kind of a special episode. I'm wanting to share about an experience that I've recently had that has really kind of made me think about how we view relationships. And whenever I talk on my uh, to, to my presentations with people, one of the concepts I cover is we see what we look for. So you know how when you get that new car, you start seeing that car everywhere. And sometimes whenever we meet somebody, we don't really see the real person, especially when we're getting into a relationship. We see who we think we want them to be. And in doing that, we tend to overlook things that when we look back at it, we're like, oh my gosh, why, why didn't I see the writing on the wall? And the reason that today is going to be very challenging for me is I, I want to be as transparent as possible while doing this episode. And that's because we're going to be talking about uh, what, what has been labeled as mental illness. And I have been a very large proponent, uh, an advocate for mental illness my whole adult life. I struggled with severe depression when I was younger, and I had some of the characteristics and traits that we'll even talk about today. And it's, it's taken me a lot of work, a lot of therapy, a lot of years to really understand the why behind it. So I want to make sure that, you know, I'm coming from a place of love. I'm coming from a place of non-judgment. And there's a very big difference between judgment and discernment. So as I'm talking about some of the things today, we're discerning behaviors. We're not judging them as good or bad. We're just making an observation about the behavior and how it manifests in certain personality traits. And I think it's really important because whenever we talk about mental illness, the National Institute of Health, according to them, 15% of the population has one of the uh, illnesses in cluster B is what it's called. 6% of the general population has narcissistic personality disorder. 5% has borderline personality disorder. 2% histrionic. 4% antisocial, which is sociopath or psychopath. So that's one in every seven people in the country. But most of us have no idea what these means. We think of them as insults. Like we'll call someone a psycho or they're, they're a sociopath or borderline person, man, they're borderline, but we use them as insults and we, we strip them of their humanity and we take away the ability to empathize and understand where they're coming from. So I've got two guests today and we're going to be sharing experiences from our life. And, and I want to be clear, we're doing this from a place of understanding, from a place of trying to share our journey to hopefully give you a, a parable so you don't either walk into the same, I don't want to even call it a mistake because I'm not doing this from a place of being jaded. I'm doing this from a place of gratitude. I've learned so much about myself and where I could have done things differently in the situation to protect my energy. And I want to just share that lesson with you so that maybe it can be preventative, but sometimes you have to experience it personally to really know that how you're going to come out on the other side. So before I really get into the subject, I want to bring on my two co-hosts today and the first one, uh, Stefania Oaks. Stefania is a San Diego-based fitness trainer who is going to share her modern millennial dating experience. So hi, Stefania. How are you? Great. Thank you so much for having me on, Ramsey. Well, thanks for being here. And then I also want to add uh, Tish. Tish uh, Toon, she's a coach in training. And Tish is one of the most intuitive people I have ever met. And I sincerely mean that. I've worked with a lot of coaches. Tish really has a great way to describe the world and even look at it. She was actually married to a narcissist for 10 years. And she's going to talk about uh, how she's maneuvered back into the dating world since her divorce and how it's kind of shaped her to be who she is today. So uh, Tish, thanks for being here too. Thanks for having me. And thank you for the warm welcome. You're welcome. Uh, so I, again, I want to talk about the, the scenario that I've encountered because it really kind of shook me to the core 
because I think one of the things in relationships that, that I've been guilty of, not even just in romantic relationships, but I guess with other people in general, is assuming that they're coming from the same level of understanding that I am to any disagreement or situation. And in doing so, it, it's really challenging to find either even the common denominator because we're assuming that they have the same goals, intentions, and desires as we do. So I guess, uh, tell me about your experiences when it comes to, uh, Stefania, let's start with you being a millennial dating. So I know we've talked about four different personality clusters and I'm going to include a link to the uh, uh, WebMD to kind of give you what the breakdown of them are because they're, they're very different, but they're very similar. They all tend to deal with um, emotions, uh, you know, cognition and emotional regulation, connection and empathy is generally what this cluster B tends to focus around. So Stefania, tell me your experience um, when it comes to this. So it's very interesting. My first boyfriend I ever had um, was not until college. So I guess I was a little bit of a late bloomer. And um, he, I don't know what to call him. I mean, I have no, um, you know, I'm not a doctor, so I'm not going to be able to diagnose what he is. But there was a lot of emotional trauma. And I don't know if it was from former trauma he had been through that was carrying into our relationship. Maybe I never really, he never really got to that point with me, but uh, we did date for two years and he was just extremely mean and would insult me and mm. not having dated anyone prior. I just kind of thought, oh, okay, well, he's a human, like be gentle with him. Like he obviously needs help. And so I was just so sweet and understanding for two years. And um, I think I was that way because I didn't have a great example of a relationship or a partnership from my own parents. And so my Mom is quite the romantic and my father is a German engineer who likes beer. So uh, doesn't really make for the best marriage uh, and their marriage did end. But throughout my childhood, I had always just seen my mother give multiple chances, be patient, cry in privacy, um, not make it too big of a deal, stay loyal. All of these things that I now looking back on specifically that relationship, others as well. But, you know, at that point in my life, I think I was doing what I thought was normal because it had been what I had seen. Um, and I did go through a period like right, you know, after the breakup, just feeling so resentful. Like, how could someone really be this evil to me? And to be honest, when I had done the broke breakup, he was completely blindsided. So I don't think he had any idea that every single day he was chipping away at my confidence, chipping away at um, you know, just even my ambition to like put myself out there to go do the things I wanted to do because he would, uh, you know, demean me. He would put me down. He would tell me that my dreams were stupid or that I was never going to do them or, or whatnot. And so, um, yeah, I just think that there are people out there that you, it takes a while to learn about them and why they're the way they are. And sometimes you do not realize that until it's the end of a relationship. Well, and, and thank you for sharing your story. And I, I'm assuming, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, that he didn't call you stupid and demean you when you first started dating. Would that be fair to say? No, it was more so in the very, like, probably couple first couple of months. It was more so of just like he would be in a bad mood, but it wasn't, um, right you know, you. ticks against me, insults against me. Uh, you know, the at least in regards to narcissistic personality disorder, sociopath disorder. And again, I'm not, I am not a psychologist. I'm not clinically diagnosing someone. I'm basing behavior patterns on what I see in individuals. And so I'm coming out of a, a, I was married for almost 10 years and I began dating someone shortly after my wife and I officially separated, even though we were, you know, not really in a relationship for the last year and a half almost. And one of the things that some of these behavior uh, traits do is they start with something called love bombing. And I, I was never familiar with this term until a couple of days ago um, where they, 
acts that I thought were sweet at the time because I hadn't had affection before. So two days in, um, this girl that I was dating told me she loves me. And the first week she buys me a painting of my dog. And um, it, I guess let me back up when she said she loved me at first, I was like, what? And then one of the things with the personality types is not taking ownership and they'll, 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 they'll change what they say. And almost it's called gaslighting where it's like, no, no, I meant just, I love being with you. And it's like, well, that's not what you said. And then it's a slow erosion of what you think reality is because they want you to be in their world. And, and the, the love bombing is just doing all of these things, like introducing me to parents a weekend or saving her name in my phone, or her mom's name in my phone as future mother-in-law. And like one thing seems innocent enough, but eventually it's like the frog that boils in the pot of water. Like you don't realize it's boiling until you're well kind of, kind of hooked in there. So Tish, you are married to a narcissist. So, so tell me a little bit about how that started and your experience. I see you nodding a lot when I'm talking about love bombing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I resonate with a lot of what you're saying. So my ex-husband, when we first met, um, came on very strong, um, very similar, a lot of emotional feelings, um, right, right off the bat. Um, one thing that he did was pretend to be someone that he's not. And of course, at the time I had no idea that that's what was happening. Um, but he pretended to like the things that I liked, was into the things that I was into, did things, you know, super romantic things. I mean, he basically, we spent the first couple of weeks really just understanding what I was looking for, what kind of personality type I am, things that I like, things that I don't. And then he actively was just everything, made yeah. made it a point to be like, I'm everything you're looking for, me, me, me. Um, and so we fell in love very quickly and he moved in very quickly. We're talking within a matter of a few months, he moved in. Um, and within the first year, um, that's when things started to change. Once he knew for sure that I was invested, um, yeah. emotionally with him, that's when things started to change and he became controlling and, um, not into the things that I was in. And that's when it started to spiral. Um, and of yeah. course I'm the type of person and he knew this, I am an empath. I am someone, I'm a people pleaser. I am someone that wants to do anything and everyone for the people in my life. And so I didn't want to walk away from that. Um, and so we started counseling and we were in and out of counseling for the 10 years that we were together. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that. I, I luckily, um, and I, I will admit I am lucky because I saw I mean, it's still, this is, this was a painful process for me only because I was made to feel crazy. And I've got, there's a book here I'm going to highly, highly recommend called psychopath free. And I'm going to be doing some quotes from this book because it really changed my perspective. And, and this ties in with what you and Stefania both shared. There tends to be a, um, certain patterns that these people do. And the first one is the idealization where you, they made, like, she made me feel like I was the best thing on earth. Um, you know, it's, it's the love bombing. It's, it's all the little things. Like I told her my favorite dessert was banana pudding. The next day she showed up making this giant tub of it for me. Um, you know, I, I filled a survey. She filled a survey out for my business and her name. She put your one was her name. Like you're one. I'm, I am your one. You're mine. And when she got me the painting of the dog, she's like, well, it'll go with the other two, like her dog and mine on the walls in the house and how she was going to move in. Um, and she's glad my marriage wasn't finalized or we'd be married already. So building this dream up in my, in my mind, um, only then, and, and the way that generally this personality type of work, and I also want to point out it's not always conscious. They don't really know they're doing it. So I'm not, I don't hold any evil in my heart towards this person. I don't hold any anger anymore. I actually feel sorry for them because this is a pattern that they're going to need to identify. And a lot of times with these personality types, they will make you feel like you're the one that has it. They'll flip the script 
Um, so when things, when you start realizing there's one day where I'm like, you know, I need some space and texted her that then 20 minutes later, she texts, you know, I need some space today. And I'm like, well, what? Like I said that. And then, she, and I'm like, you're gaslighting. She's like, don't tell me I'm gaslighting you. And then they, they just flip the script so easily that it causes such a deep confusion into, am I doing something wrong here? Like I thought that I'm being transparent and honest, but when they tell you that the feelings you're feeling aren't real and they accuse you of doing that to them, it really makes you start questioning reality. So Fanya, have you been in a relationship with a narcissist that, that you're aware of? Yes, I think so. <laughs> um, and I did feel very, very crazy because uh, this, this relationship that I'm about to speak about, I tried to end it multiple times. It just felt like this person wasn't into me, didn't want to hang around me, um, like wouldn't be like publicly affectionate with me. And so I didn't get any attention and I felt like I was alone in this relationship. And then anytime I would try to do a breakup, it would be this like whole show of how much I mean and I can't walk away and all this stuff. And it worked. It worked like three or four times of yeah. me reaching this crazy breaking point. And then that same thing, the flip of the script. And I'm like, well, why don't you want to spend time with me then? Why do you ignore me and put headphones in at home all the time? Why, you know, do you not invite me to your friend's birthday dinners? All of, all of these crazy things that yeah. would be just seem so natural and normal for any couple who have a healthy relationship uh, to be partaking in together. And so I felt like uh, his actions very clearly did not line up with what the words were when I was at the breaking point of ready to walk away. Yeah. And, and, and so there's, there's a middle stage that, that Tish really hit on that I was going to address that I forgot about. So the first stage is that idolization. Like they make you feel like you're everything. And then kind of right on the heels of that is the personality mirroring. So like the person that I was with, she never worked out. She never hiked. And that's okay. But when she's like, well, let's work out together. And then we post a picture of us hiking. And her friend's like, you're hiking. What's wrong with you? She, she had all these farm animals that she loved. And she, she was going to sell them and move in with me. And, and our mutual friends were like, she loves those. Why would she do? Like, it just, it, nothing made sense. And I didn't realize at the time it's because she was being who she thought I wanted her to be to kind of lure me in. And what what's made this so easy is realizing that none of this was real. Like it's manufactured emotion when you're dealing with these people. And when I say these people, I don't mean it in a derogatory way. I just mean people who have these personality traits or characteristics. Uh, I'm going to quote from the book a little bit here. It says, um, uh, if I can scroll my screen over here. Uh, and, and why do they target? So Stefania, you've shared that you're an empath. Tish, you're an empath. I'm an empath. So let's talk about why is, and this, this podcast is mainly for people who, are empaths like you know if you find yourself you're a very caring person you we have to be cautious about people's energy without judging them they just might not be right for you so this is this is from the book psychopath free uh, psychopath's perfect target is idealistic forgiving generous and romantic most targets are very selective about their partners often feeling lonely and frustrated by the dating scene so when the psychopath comes along to mirror all of your greatest fantasies you pour your entire heart and soul into the relationship. You'll invest everything you can emotionally, financially, and physically. You quickly feel comfortable opening up because the psychopath grooms you to believe you found the one. And this forms an immediate bond of trust and familiarity. And however, when the psychopath begins to the, the devaluing process, which is the next phase after the mirroring, you'll attempt to absorb all of the blame in the relationship. And, and that's when the crazy making starts when, when they just, you're on the pedestal, then in the gutter and you feel like it's your fault, but deep down you haven't really done anything. And that's where the crazy making starts happening.
So Tish, when did you start, did you start experiencing that or what was your experience with, with uh, those phases of the, the narcissism? Yeah, absolutely. So it was within that first year. Um, there would, there would be things where he would um, say certain things um, to me or pick fights um, and then immediately try and make me feel better. So once he tore me down, he would bring me back up. And that's when I started to think that I was the person that was crazy, even though I know I didn't do yeah. anything when the site, the fight started. And then when he, once he knew I was broken down to nothing, that's when he's like, I love you. I care about you. I'm so sorry. And then I'm like, wait, but am I crazy? But he loves me. And so it was this back and forth of like, you know, you didn't do anything, but then he comes, swoops back in, he tears you down and then swoops back in as the savior. And so that's when you start to actually think and you put it on yourself like, oh, it really was me. And you start, you start blaming yourself and yeah. see yourself the way that he wants you to see yourself. Yeah. Because, because they project all of their insecurities onto you, the things they do. And then it makes it sound like you're, whenever you accuse them of it, they're the ones doing it. And then it sounds so you, 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 you catch yourself being like, wait a minute, well, I'm accusing them of what they're saying, but they're the ones actually doing it. Like, um, this person that I was dating, she had, she works doing things with dentists and she wanted me to change the way that my face shaped. Like she's like, she wanted me to do all the sleep apnea stuff and wear this mouth guard at night. And I'd have packages showing up on my door stuff she wanted to do to me and all under the guise of, because she loves me. I love, I want you to live a long time. I want you to be happy and healthy and it's control. And, and, but they, they do it in such a way that it doesn't come off as controlling at first. Um, you know, and then just that slow manipulation of, of you're going to be who, who they want you to be. And she had incorporated herself into my business to make herself a, an instrument in every element of my life where she, let's merge Google calendars. And this is after like five weeks. And I was really vulnerable. Again, I was coming out of a marriage and I'm like, I, it felt comfortable, even though my gut told me, hold on. You know, there was something like, there's something that's just not right here. And then to what you're talking, like whenever I said I, I needed some space, she's like, I, you're smothering me. I need space. I was like, that's what I said to you. Like I brought your extra clothes back here that you wanted to move into my house. And it's just, it's just that. And what I found what to be one of the most healing therapeutic things in this. And I'll talk, we'll talk about some recovery at the end because leaving these relationships is very challenging because to try to refine your sense of self, because your sense of self has been destroyed. This person has integrated themselves as a mirror into your life, pretended they've loved you and then completely cut things off or, or changed 180 degrees and it leaves you feeling what the hell happened. And, and that's such as kind of a mind screw, but, but just sharing and being like, this happened to me and having other people be like, no, anyone would feel like that. It's so powerful to realize you're not crazy to realize. And the term crazy sounds, I don't even mean it like the other person is what I'm saying is whenever you start questioning your own reality, you feel insane because the other person's made you question who you are in the world that you're living in. What are your thoughts, Stefania? Yeah, actually, to exactly Tisha's point in her whole story, I've actually, one of my exes, I said that to him, I was like, how dare you be the person that pushes me off the cliff and then puts your parachute on to come pick me up? Like, that's what they do. They push you all the way off. They destroy yeah. you. They bring your self-esteem down, make you feel like you can't do anything without them. But then it's that after they're done with the argument, with the fight, with the, you know, whatever the toxicity is that they choose, 
it's this, I love you so much. And I'm only doing this because I care about you and I'm here for you and let's be better and blah, 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 blah. It's all these words you've never heard them talk about ever before because it's not actually their intention. It's a theater show. And um, I think that a lot of people experience that, but when you are so broken, pushed off of that cliff and you know, feeling like you're falling flat on your face, that doesn't feel like the most empowering time that you can walk away from a toxic situation or a relationship. Um, and it's a ah, manipulation tool. At the same time, I also can't even say that I give these people enough credit to say that they were doing it on purpose. It is kind of just who they are or it's the patterns that they've been shown and known because I don't really think that they were that smart to like play this mastermind game on me. Like I'm a little puppet, um, but it's just, I, the way I see it is that these people are very damaged and that's hard to get out of someone because you, like you guys are saying, you, these people have been marrying what you're doing. They, you work out, they want to work out. Um, and so it's really difficult when you feel like you've almost lost that self of sense around you because they're, they are doing all the things you want them to do to an extent, but in, within their own limitations, within their own control, within their boundaries. And it's not about you. It's all about them. Thank you so much. There's a, there's another clip I want to read from this uh, a book, Psychopath Free, and it's about manufactured emotions. And this is so important because whenever, so I, I, uh, I guess I, I want to clarify this thing when things started getting rocky and I'm, I, my, my intuition saved my life because this person, I was up doing a uh, hike with some friends of mine that she was supposed to come to. And then she didn't. And she, the way she texted me was just off. And my intuition just kind of ding, something's not right. So I drove home early. Um, I had a key to her place. Another car was in the driveway, but the deadbolt was locked. So um, she said, oh, I'm not feeling well. I'm sick. I can't make it. And I was worried about her. So I went in through the backyard. I went in through the, you know, the back door. And there was another guy there in her bed next to her. And this was someone who texted me earlier that day saying, I love you. Sorry, I can't make it. I love you. And we talked on the phone two days before. And she's saying, Let's, we're going to go on vacation once a month together. Like we were planning our life together, building our life. She was planning to move into my place. And whenever I caught the guy in her bed, she just looks at me and she says, you need to go to me. And I was just, I, I, my world had exploded because this was the person that was telling me, you're my one, we're going to be together forever. Um, introducing me to her mom after a week, just all of this. She gave me the keys to her place after three weeks. Um, and it, it, it shattered who my emotional state, like I didn't know what reality was. Was this all a lie? Um, and so this is, a, this is a, a quote from the book, Psychopath Free. During a relationship with a psychopath, you are likely to experience a range of emotions you've never felt before. Extreme jealousy, neediness, rage, anxiety, paranoia. And after every outburst, you constantly think to yourself, if only I hadn't behaved that way, then maybe they'd be happier with me. Think again. Those were not your emotions. I repeat, those were not your emotions. They were carefully manufactured by the psychopath in order to make you question your own good nature. Victims are often prone to believe that they can understand, forgive, and absorb all the problems in a relationship. Essentially, they checkmate themselves by constantly trying to rationalize the abuser's completely irrational behavior. So after I I caught her, I had uh, blocked her on everything, and then she, like you said, like she tried to lure me back in, texted me, "We didn't have sex," or she made up a new email address because I blocked her because boundaries are something that that uh, tend to not be there with, with, with people with these kind of character things. Um, we didn't have sex. Uh, I should, I was going to tell you, I'm sorry. When can I get my stuff? 
And I was like, exactly. So Stefania, for those of you just listening, Stefania's face kind of said it all. If someone's like, you're my soulmate, you're my one, I love you. And they're like, hey, sorry, I can't change it. When can I get my stuff? It made me feel like, what, what is going on? Like you were, you were so into, and I know people, they have a change of heart. And it would have been different had I heard, um, hey, I'm sorry, I'm just not into it anymore. I don't love you. Like, like just to get any kind of clarity. Uh, and then just the gaslighting and lying started before it got flipped to being my fault. But so red flags, let's talk about red flags when we're going into a relationship to look at so that we can protect ourselves from these situations. So the first one we talked about is love bombing. So love bombing is when they do grandiose gestures right off the bat, expensive gifts, tell you they love you soon, uh, introduce you to important family members, talk about spirit, like you're my one, we're connected. Um, so how, what other love bombing type things have you ladies experienced? So I just want to talk about, I didn't actually like date this person, but they were very interested in me and it felt very love bombish. And so I think it was a red flag to me. Um, but I was not interested romantically at all, but there was things like invites to Italy and you won't have to pay for anything. And let me just buy every lunch. And it, it is a place of uncomfortability because it, these are nice things, right? And you don't want to necessarily say no or miss out. And you might still enjoy this person company. Now, especially different when you're talking about being in a relationship with them. Um, but especially when you are in the beginning of a relationship with someone and they're love bombing you, and maybe you've been treated really poorly in other situations before, you're almost blown away. Like you think it's all a really good thing. And this is what I've been waiting for. And I am a princess and I can't believe this has come along. Um, but something will feel off. And I think like throughout all of the topics we're going to be talking about, we need to tune into our intuition because our intuition does notice these red flags before we do, but we come up with excuses for them and we come up right with a reason and twist the plot. And so then that's why when you get deeper into these toxic relationships, when you're looking back, you do end up feeling crazy because you're like, well, I saw and I knew and I thought that, but I was okay with it because X, Y, and Z. So now am I crazier? Are they crazier? Is something changed? And so, um, the love bombing thing is definitely it's a hard one to catch, especially if you haven't been through something like that before. Yeah. And Tish, what about you? Yeah, absolutely. Kind of going off of what Stefani was saying around intuition, you, you, you almost feel it. For me, it was the guilting. Guilting was the big thing. Um, my ex-husband would be like, oh, you're making plans with your girlfriends. I really wanted to spend time with you or, you know, doing these things. So he would basically, you wouldn't have no one could have you except for him. And yeah. you would start to distance yourself from doing the things that you love and the people in your life. And you get that feeling of, gosh, well, he really wants to spend time with me. I actually feel bad that I've, I'm, I made these plans and I'm, I'm not including him or that I need time away from him. And that sucks you in. And it happens more frequently and more frequently and to the point where now being divorced and dating, that's immediately if something in my gut and I'm a good person, like I am I feel like I am respectful of other people and I want to balance that out. But if I immediately get a thought of there's nothing wrong with me wanting to spend time with my friends or have, you know, do things for me, my you are not my entire life. Um, that's an immediate red flag for me is just listening to your gut and thinking about, is this person making me feel guilty for living the life that I want to live when I know that this person is getting plenty of my time, plenty of my attention. Yeah. Guilt. That's a big one. Yeah. And um, this is, uh, we talk about empathy, empathetic people and like the intuition. And this is a qu another quote from the book that I love. 
psychopaths typically can't last long with empathetic people, except for the cases where there's marriage, because you tend to absorb their poison. Yes, they get the highest sweeping you off your feet and making you a perfect servant to their mind games. But the downside is eventually you subconsciously spit the poison right back in their face. You don't want to ruin the idealization phase, but you find yourself unable to stop pointing out their lies and behavior. And then by trusting your intuition and by calling people out like, no, that's not what you said. Even though like, no, 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 I, I just said that I love being with you. Like, no, you said you love me. Like when you start holding their feet to the fire, they will kind of, um, they'll get, they'll grow tired of you because you're no longer subservient and, and, and move on. So, um, you know, when, when you're talking about these, like the, the, um, just being torn down and that feeling like that, that I don't think anyone who's not been in the situation can understand how it's almost worse than depression because you question who you are. They really make you question and they typically target successful people, you know, because if you have energy and you're positive, they want that. And then there's a quote in the book where it talks about how, um, psychopaths will essentially want to destroy you. You know, they can lure any, once they hook their prey, their charming promises spin into mind games and torture. Victims are left devastated, confused, and unable to recognize or even put into words the nightmare that just took place. It's so indescribable. And that's that what's going on type feeling there. So Tish, when did you finally recognize, oh, I guess I'm sorry, we're talking about red flags. So I want to make sure we're staying kind of coherent on, on subject here. So love bombing, we talked about love bombing. And then you talk about the guilt that they, they made you feel guilty for stuff. Um, so not, like the gaslighting, there's two different forms of this. So one is just denying things that they said that they did or said. No, I never said that when you know specifically that they did. Uh, did you guys experience that at all? Yeah. So uh, I think the first couple of times I started experiencing gaslighting was when I would be in an argument or a dispute. And then you just end up very confused because you're like, yeah. whoa, like <laughs> what are we even arguing about? You did this. This is what we're talking about. And so it, again, leaves you questioning, like, what am I crazy? Like, did I perceive that the wrong way? And then you are, you can't even formulate sentences to come out because it doesn't make sense of what you're talking about and doing. And I think that's one of the manipulation and control tactics is kind of redirecting the conversation, distracting you from what the real issue is, and then making you feel crazy or finding something to blame you for. And it yeah. could be a defense mechanism too. But that's, I remember being young and feeling, feeling that way when we would get into disputes, because I'd be like, why? Is it so hard to fight? I'm not even trying to fight. I am just trying to express my feelings. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I feel like a crazy, like unorganized hodgepodge mess up in here. Yeah. Tish, what about you with the, uh, with the denying what they said? Yeah, absolutely. Same thing. Especially when you reiterate it back exactly how it was said. And then they spin it. And then they're like, well, it's, it's about you. And then you try to articulate it in every way. And they're like, you don't know how to communicate well. It's, it, they, they put it back on you. It, yeah. Yeah. Like it's my, it's my problem that that's how I perceived it. And that the, the words verbatim, what they said was not actually what they intended. Yeah. Similar to what you said about, I love you. She said, I love you. But then she's like, well, I mean, I just love how you are, who you are. I'm not in yeah. love with you. And so they, they spin it when you put it right back on them. Stefania, I saw you raise your hand. So was that, uh, what, what did you want to share? Yes, this is uh, one of the most laughable ways to say I'm sorry. Um, and I've had this told to me so many times. I'm sorry you feel that way. Yes, that's, oh, I, I, thank you so much. That's <laughs> You're not an sorry I feel a bad way because I found you with another person in bed. Like whatever the scenario is. It's like, yeah. no, you should be sorry for what you did, not how I feel. Let me be sorry for myself with how I feel. Yeah. And, and I, I actually had a, a post about that. Like, are you saying I'm sorry because you generally have remorse? Or are you saying I'm sorry because you want the other person to absolve you of guilt because you feel shame for what you've done? Or are you saying I'm sorry to get them to be quiet? 
Like, you know, it's not an apology isn't just the words. I'm sorry. It's what's the intent? What's the energy behind it? Um, you know, and, and just the change of what they said, I had a situation with this person where um, she says, uh, you know, you're not normal. If you, you take a nap every day, that's not you're not normal. And I was like, why would you tell me I'm not normal? Like, that's a terrible thing to say. Well, you're taking it wrong. I'm just so concerned about I want you to live a long time because I love you. Um, you're just too sensitive. And one of the things that she would flip on me is like, you never, you tell me how I feel. Um, and I'm like, well, no, no, I don't. And it's like, she accuses me of the things that, that she's doing, which makes me think like, I'm, I'm just being sensitive. And again, it, it's such, I, and I don't know if it's intentional or not. It, it's, it's manipulation. I do think that they're smarter than, than because they're, they're constantly. And I, again, I feel empathy or sympathy because their minds are going constantly trying to, because I, I used to have some of these tendencies and only when I learned to just give up control of the things I can't control, which is, includes other people. Oh my God, I'm so much happier. And, but they're not, they're, they tend to be miserable. Um, and this isn't me telling her how she feels. If she's listening to this one day, it's just people who have these personality uh, traits. It's because there is a huge void. They just hate themselves. Um, and it's bringing you down makes them feel better. At first, you, you pick them up, and then the destruction of you is what they that that that's what they do. Um, but again, let's go back to red flags before we go on. So every X in their life is crazy. Whenever you ask them, like, "Hey, so you know, tell me about your last relationship?" Oh, they were crazy. They were bipolar. They were, and they throw the words out, and then it's kind of like when you start to realize, you know, I, I posted this as well. If there's carnage all around you, perhaps you're the tornado. Like if everything they, they said, they put themselves, not just X's, but in victim mode where everything's bad, everything around them is, but they're, they're, they're the great, like they have, they, they put themselves as great, but they also play the victim card as well. So what were your experiences with that? Uh, Tish, let's start with you. Yeah. So, um, gosh, so many examples. Um, I think the big thing is just, um, one thing I want to highlight, um, is around, I feel like my ex pinpointed the light that I had. Mm. I feel like he saw the things in me that he wanted, that he knew he couldn't be. And so he took that. And that's what, that's what the focus was on is to bring himself down to that level. So when you say tornado, I feel like that was at least for my ex, that was his focus was making sure that my light was always dim. Mm. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Stefania, what about, uh, what about you? I definitely resonate with that as well, Tish. Um, it's all—it's not about letting you shine in the world and be who you are, even with, you know, having plans with your friends. And um, in my scenario, I was a fitness instructor at a very popular gym. And I always felt like, you know, I was in front of a bunch of people who loved me. And then why wasn't this person at home able to be happy for me, support me in that setting, be proud to be around me in that setting, um, but then also recognize what these other people were recognizing um, but he wouldn't even give it credit. And so I ultimately felt like with the two relationships I've been referencing that these people, A, don't trust themselves and then don't have self-confidence because when you do think about something, like everyone who's ever listening right now, think about the most confident person you know who is so in tune with themselves. They would never treat anyone poorly ever. So it is only these people who are so uncomfortable with who they are. They don't like who they are or they're depressed or they don't have any confidence. Um, they can fake it. They can be an actor or an actress for a while, but it ultimately comes down to when they see you shining your light, they can't handle it because yeah. they don't know how to do that for themselves. Yeah. 
But but initially they're gonna they're gonna talk about your light because they're gonna they're gonna build you up. So they can't bring yeah. you they can't tear you down if they're not a part of your life. Well, so, of course, because they don't want to be attracted to someone who's a loser who's not going after their ambitions and their dreams. Most people are gonna be attracted to very high quality people. Yeah. And so um and as empaths, like you said earlier, I think we have another extra layer of forgiveness or you know, kind of doling the red flags because we want to be understanding and accommodating to people. Yeah. Um, because we know we're not perfect too, but when it comes down to the way you treat others. Um, there's there's a right and a wrong way to do it. There's a way to say you're sorry when you have made a mistake. And I think all three of us here are very genuine when those types of circumstances arise. But I do think a narcissistic personality type of uh, you know person that you're dating, they are going to be attracted to you for all of the same great qualities. But it, when, when it comes to you outgrowing, outshining, overstepping, that's when they're not cool with it. And then that's yeah. when the destruction of your confidence, confidence comes in because they can't handle seeing you grow past them. Yeah. Thank you so much. And, and you brought up one of the other red flags, the next one actually, which is how do they treat other people and how do they speak about other people? Mm-hmm. Um, because in, in my situation, she, there was not a good word said about like even her best friend who I met at the same time that I met her. She's like, well, she never does the work. She never works on herself. She's not, she's not improving herself like we are. Um, and then I had spent Easter at her, at her house with her, with her mom and everything they said about anyone else was just negative. And on Easter, they called her sister and they put her sister on speakerphone. She's like, I don't want to talk to her. They're bad mouthing neighbors. Just like nothing positive said about anyone. And I even left early and I'm like, you know what? No one had anything nice to say about anyone. And then she just, she had no, no response. It wasn't like, you know what? I'm going to try to, like, you just want to bring someone's attention, not to make them feel bad, but to just point it out so they can have some, is like, because I had a coaching session with someone yesterday who's another coach and he reflected something to me. And I was very thankful. I was like, you know, thank you. Because he's like, hey, you're better than this perspective. And I was like, yeah, you know what? You're right. I appreciate that. But, but they, a, um, anyone who's in one of these personality traits, they don't accept um, either any kind of criticism at all. Um, even early on, like maybe early on, they're like, thank you so much. I love you. I appreciate you helping me out. But once that idol idealization phase is over, no, it comes off as an attack and then it's flipped back onto you. So Tish or Stefania, did you like, how do they treat other people or the way that they treat waiters or people on the phone? Like you hear them like that. So did you ever notice when you're at a restaurant, like how they treated other people? What was your experience with those things? Tish? Yeah, absolutely. So it wasn't necessarily just the people, but the situation itself. So if we were planning on going to a party or to um, to dinner with a group of people, it was always setting a negative tone, like you're not going to have fun. And so instead of not necessarily talking about bad people negatively, but setting up that stage. And then when you're there at that party with other people, it was always a negative tone to everything. So you always walked away with this sense of you're never fully having a good time with these people. And so you can't like, for me personally, I'm very upbeat and, and jovial. And I love that. And so you're coming into this almost like situation where there's a cloud. So where you're interacting with people, you're not being your true genuine self because they've set the tone for how yeah. they want you to be and interact with other people. So yeah. my experiences wasn't necessarily talking bad, them always talking bad about other people, which happened, but it was yeah. setting that stage with your, of how you needed to interact with other people. Yeah. Well, Stefania, I'll let you go, but I do want to point out something here. Like when we're talking about these red flags, people don't have to have all of these. Like it's just, it's just awareness. And this, it's not like it's, it's not a light switch. Like it's either on or off where they have any of these traits. 
life is a spectrum and we all have characteristics. And, you know, there have been times in the past, I have been very toxic to people. We all have been toxic to people. It's a matter of, are we working on it? Are we aware of it? And at the end here, I want to talk about what this has taught me about how, how am I showing up? What, what was my part on this? Cause I'm not blameless. I I'm a part of a relationship. There's two people involved here, but there's a spectrum. So even though, you know, and thank you, Tish, because not everyone may have all of these traits. So just keep that in mind. So Stefania, what about you in regards to the, uh, how do they talk to people or how you hear them talking about others? Yeah, it's a great question. So I was very unimpressed with both of these people's, um, friend list because it was very short, very tiny, um, which didn't seem to be a big deal at first because I am very social. So I'm the opposite. And I know that might not be everyone's norm, um, but that's just kind of how I've always been, how I really probably will always be. So I didn't think that that was alarming at first, uh, but over time, it almost brought an awareness of like, well, no wonder you don't have more friends or like, no wonder you don't want more people to know about all of these things about you because you can't handle the truth about yourself. And um, as far as like treating others, I mean, this one past uh, relationship, I would have my friends, my very bestest, closest friends then and to this day say, hey, just walked past that person. Uh, they didn't even wave. They didn't even say hi. They wouldn't even look at me. And it's impossible to not see one another with where these circumstances have been. So then I felt very embarrassed. You know, you feel like you need to make up for their behavior or make an excuse for them. You feel like you need to bring it up to them. Like, why would you not wave to my best friend? That's very awkward. Uh, and again, I just think that's a, a low self-esteem, low confidence, and something that I always try to uh, remind myself and others when they're struggling with, you know, human interaction is that people uh, are going to treat you the way they think about themselves. And so when you think about someone, that most confidence per confident person that you had thought of earlier, that most confident person in your life would never tell you that you're doing things poorly. Should I start over on that? No, no, no. You're fine. Dog. Yeah, okay. it's all right. Sorry. Um, these people who are very empowered will never try to bring you down. They will try yeah. to pump you up because they know how hard it is, how hard the journey is. They've been there before. They almost see this like potential, this light flickering inside of you. Whereas yeah. someone who is not on that confident level, in their mind, they're below you. And I'm not trying to say people are above or below, but their perception is that they're below you. It makes them uncomfortable that you're going to start noticing their imperfections. And so they want to break you and bring you down to their level. And then they also want to get an edge up by being the one that pulls you back up. So yeah, um, yeah I do think that the way you need to pay attention to the way they treat others. And it could even be as simple as, are they you know, generous when it comes to tipping a server or like being nice to the person who's getting your coffee or do they say, you know, thank you to the cleaning staff? Do they, you know, whatever it is, you know, it, it, these are yeah. things to pay attention to when you move forward in a relationship. Yeah. And, you know, in regards to how they treat other people, and I think um, how they treat us once they're done with us says everything. Because once they've used the empath up and were discarded, and this for me was the hardest part to kind of rectify, because even after I'd caught her literally cheating on me and she'd lied and then I'd asked for the truth and she's like, well, I, I give, I told you all I can tell you, which is a lie because she hit say, Oh, he's my friend. I've known him. Well, I don't have any texts from him. No, he's not saved in my phone. Um, he just crashed because he was drunk. Just all the lies. And I still believed it because I'm like, there's no way she could do this to me because she's my, she's my one. So this is again from the book, psychopath free. Um, if your soulmate went from fascination from fascinated to bored in the blink of an eye this is not normal if you were called jealous and crazy by someone who actively cheated on you this is not normal 
If you are desperately waiting by your phone for texts that they once initiated on a minute-by-minute basis, this is not normal. If all of their exes were madly in love with them, this is not normal. Psychopaths are parasitic, emotionally stunted, and incapable of change. Once this individual is gone from your life, you will find that everything begins to make sense again. The chaos dissipates and your sanity returns. Things will be normal once again. And whenever I caught her cheating on me and she's like, uh, you're, you're smothering me. And like, like she really turned this around. It was, it was no, um, I guess, remorse. And for someone who was so like, would text me a thousand times a day, every morning, good morning. Oh, I just want to tell you good night. It's my favorite time of the day. I want to connect with you to just go like ghost, just go dark. Like, uh, I need some time to think like, and not have any remorse. That's not normal behavior. Um, and then this is, then it ended up me. This is really where I started to, to question, like, have I really grown? Because this next sentence, this is from this book also. I think it's important to kind of tag on here. Perhaps you begin to feel needy and clingy during the relationship or at the end of it. Again, it's all manufactured. Who was the one responsible for initiating constant conversation and attention in the first place all that time? It was them. Once they're bored, they'll start to lash out at you for trying to continue practices they initiated. Again, most people would agree that neediness is toxic in a relationship, but there's a huge difference between true neediness and the psychopath's manufactured neediness. So they establish the rate of communication, what you guys say to each other, and then they make you look crazy when you're still continuing to operate under the parameters that they established in the relationship. And that's part of what the crazy making is. Because then they're like, you're being, you're being needy and crazy. Like, well, no, you did this. You, you created this thing. So how did you guys, did you guys experience that at the end or, or when you started calling them out on some of the things that you noticed that weren't, weren't true or real? Um, so basically the last two years of the relationship that we were together, um, I had fallen out of love with him and I had told him that. And so we had spent the last couple of years heavy in counseling, working through, trying to get that spark back. And he knew that he had pretty much lost me at that point with my emotions. So that is when things got really, really bad. Um, He had always made it a point to break me down and spin things on me on and off in our relationship. But those last couple of years is when it got the worst because he knew that I could walk away at any time. And because there was no love backing behind it, um, it, it, it magnified his desperation and his attempt to try and make me get sucked back into the things that were happening. So a lot of that was happening those last couple of years up until we actually decided divorce. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and a lot of it is that that projection also, like whenever the the, the tearing down and, and this is another quote from the book that uh, I like, well, I don't like, but the fact that it's 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 a, it's a reality that uh, psychopaths project and blame you for their own behavior. They accuse you of being negative when they are the most negative people in the world. They gaslight you into believing that your normal reactions to their abuse are the problem, your reactions and not the abuse itself. So when you feel angry and hurt because of their silent treatment, broken promises, cheating, or lying, there's something wrong with you. When you call them out on the dishonesty of the behavior, you're the abnormal one who is too sensitive, too critical, smothering them, and always focusing on the negative. This is all part of the brainwashing process, acting inappropriately, unacceptably, downright abusively, and then trying to turn it around and make it your fault. They intentionally cause pain you don't deserve, all the while denying they've done anything to begin with. And on top of that, they try to make it your fault so that you blame yourself for something that supposedly didn't even happen. And again, I, this I want to re reemphasize that I'm 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 sharing this because this really can make people who go into a relationship having worked on themselves and really come looking for a partnership to question their reality. 
when these things happen. I'm not judging this person who did this to me as a bad person. They're wounded. And they're, and if people go out in the world not being aware that other people can show up like this, then they're going to get hurt like I got hurt. Now, I am, I am so thankful for the pain that I felt because I have so much more understanding of the human condition and what people do and how do I handle emotions and how do I work through processes whenever I'm hurting and stuff too. Um, the, 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 the thing that fine. So I guess I want to ask Tish. So I think you said you were finally done when you, you said you, you knew you didn't love him for like last few years. When did you know I, I'm done? I can't do this anymore. Yeah, it was a moment of an act that he did that I discovered um, something pretty big that he had hidden um, from the relationship that he had actually promised two times previously in 10 years that he would never do again. Um, and that was it. That was the that was the moment I knew it was like a weight lifted off my shoulders. And I was like, OK, it's time to walk away. You're nice. you're not in love with him anymore. And you're seeing right through everything. And this was kind of the the thing that you needed to be to be OK with walking away. And that was a big thing for me is I just kept, I needed that sign. You know, we're all looking for like, I've, I've just got to feel right for walking away because the type of person that I yeah. am, I can't just walk away unless I feel like I've done any and everything to try and make something work. Um, and there was a very, very bright shining moment when that happened. Um, and I, I, no regrets. It was exactly what I needed to do at that time. Yeah. Stefania, I'm going to let you answer also. But the first thing, this is a quote from the book also. Remember, these are people who prey on forgiveness. They thrive on your need for closure. They manipulate compassion and exploit sympathy. So the fact that you want closure and they won't give it to you, that's part of the, the issue. And I'll, I'll tell my story, but Stefania, let's hear yours first. Yeah. So uh, I guess maybe fortunately for me, uh, there wasn't a big event that I could like point a finger and be like, because of that, it is over. Uh, but for me, what it really came down to is I had confided in so many people, both of these relationships, uh, very close friends, um, you know, coaches, mentors sisters, uh, whatever, everyone, everyone knew all my dirty laundry is what I'm trying to say. And I just got to a point at both of these relationships where in contrast to Tish being married and already in that very like kind of solid, uh, you know, kind of locked in feeling, I could not imagine the rest of my life with either of these people. And it yeah. just it dawned on me like, wow, okay, well, what would your life be like if you stayed with them? That's what I had to ask myself. And yeah the moment that I could imagine exactly what it would be like, and I knew what I would have been getting myself into, that is what scared me enough to make a change. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. For, uh, for, for me, it was, um, I have a really close friend of mine. He's 96 years old and he, he knew this, this person as well. We had FaceTime because of course she wanted, we're going to be together forever. Right. So his uh, wife, unfortunately passed away. Um, I knew her really well. And, um, since he had met this woman. He, he wanted me to tell her like, Hey, can you please let her know? Uh, and he also like, he, he really thought that she cared for me based on when we FaceTime, he thought. And so I told her, he said that, and I had a hard time with his wife passing away. I was close with him. She had met him. And so I'm like, Hey, can we just talk real quick? I was, I was very, I was hurting. And this is after she cheated on me. And I was like, I really need a friend right now. She's like, sorry, I'm talking, I'm talking to my daughter, which First off, it's her stepdaughter, but they always have to have someone to kind of go to. And I'm like, look, my one of my really good friends, his wife passed away. Can we please talk? And she's like, this isn't about you. Stop. And and that's the thing with with the people. Of this is when you really need true support, they're just not there. Um, and then I I kind of laid into her. And and this is and that's the thing. Whenever you you encounter these people, whenever you accountability means nothing. 
And when you try to hold them accountable for, look, these are, these are the actions that you've done, then they lash out and project. And then when she replied, like, look, you're smothering me. How dare you do this to me? Um, don't contact me, which was ironic since I tried to block her on everything after I caught her cheating on me. And she made new email addresses to reach out to me. But again, it had to be on her terms. Uh, and once she sent this hateful, hateful message, I'm like, this, everything was a lie. Like this whole, there's no way the person that I knew who was like, you're my one who would text me every, like, there's no way any would, one would act like that. And that gave me the peace to be like, I'm done. Like, I don't, I'm not, because until then, again, like, like I was saying, it was manufactured emotion of like, if this is my one, what am I doing? And the reality is the answer is nothing. This was not my fault. There's, and, and, and that's the such freeing thing here. And what really why I wanted to do this podcast is because I think it's so important for people to realize that uh, if you're in a relationship with these one in seven people in the country that have these characteristics, just ha trust your instincts. Be aware of what some of the, these behaviors might mean. Now, can these people improve? Yes. But part of the problem is when, they're, when they deflect everything back onto you, the, the, the hardest thing about telling someone they're a narcissist is, no, you're the narcissist, is you get that thrown back at you. And there's nothing you can do to counter that because everything that you that they do, they've accused you of. So it's just spun right back. So sometimes it's just a matter of just knowing that you have nothing but love in your heart for them and just walking away and doing what's right for you. So I want to talk about a little bit, how do we heal? Because usually when you're done dealing with these people, it's um, we blame ourselves. I blamed myself until, until I finally, uh, got this book recommended to me. Um, and I, uh, yes, I was in love. You know, I, I was in love with the idea of this chameleon who fed me the perfect person. She's a siren, you know, of who I thought I needed in my life or wanted in my life. Uh, and that's okay. It's forgiving myself and talking to other people to help me realize, no, anyone who walked in on their significant girlfriend, who's going to move in in a couple of weeks with another guy in bed would probably be kind of hurt by that and want some answers. But in the moment they don't, whenever they're so callous, you don't see that. So be, be compassionate to yourself when you're coming out of this, you need time to heal. Um, because there's a devastation, this illusion that you thought you had is gone. This love that you thought was your one is gone. So what are you doing for self-care? How are you eating? Are you sleeping? Um, so Tish, what worked for you? What helped you when you got out of your relationship? Yeah, just that. I took a step back and I evaluated. I 10 years with someone, I completely lost my full sense of self. I didn't recognize the person in the mirror. What do I like? What do I not like? Um, you know, I was, I was, I was someone for someone for an entire decade. And so it was really just figuring out what I like about myself, um, feeding back into that confidence, surrounding myself around people that was positive, trying yeah. new experiences um, and working just truly on myself. I didn't date for almost a little over a year, I think it was, before I even started dating again or even entertaining that idea. I truly just focused on myself and my confidence and my view of myself. So when I did start dating, the people that could come in, I wasn't easily broken. Someone tried yeah. to, to do those things, those red flags, I could recognize them almost immediately. And I'm like, no, I'm confident. I'm strong. Like, I am proud of who I am. I love who I am. And that was so, and happy who I am. Yeah. And that was so important to me. So that was really where I started. And it was a journey. It took, it took a long time. Um, but yeah, really starting with my sense of self. Thank you. And uh, uh, Stefania, what about you? Because I know you said you weren't as deep into the relationship, but what did you do to kind of help put, figure out who you were and pull yourself together? 
So just first a lot of deep reflection and thought, but really to Tisha's point earlier on, when she was getting into that relationship, she stopped doing the things that she loved. She stopped spending as much time with the people she loves. So uh, both the of the times that, you know, I had fallen a little, uh, I brought myself back to who I am by doing the things I love. What is it that I would do if that person, you know, wasn't there, if I had all of the time in the world and you just go back to doing and eating and like you, I was even laughing, uh, Ramsey, when you said, you know, what do you eat? How do you sleep? You know, you do everything that puts you in a good mood. And that's what I have done to help myself because you'll realize you'll miss those things. Or maybe you were saying no to your friends all of those times just yeah. to protect their feelings. And so, you know, everyone like will say like, Oh, start going out or whatever. But you know, maybe even just seeing your friends more often, not in a necessarily of like a nightclub, but even just going to coffee or making more time for the people who are close to you do the activities that you used to invest your time with that you felt like you've been stripped of for however long, you know, treating yourself how you eventually want to be treated by someone who someone who would eventually come along and make a whole perfect day, knowing the things that you love the most, what would those things be? Well, yeah. And I also think it's important, like when you're talking about going out and meeting friends again, one of the things that, that I struggle with, and, and I, I, I've actually been talking to other guys who have been in these situations before that's been very helpful, is um, whenever you talk to your friends who you would introduce them to, and now you have to kind of explain what happened, because in, in our mind, things were perfect. And your friends will be like, well, what happened? Like you were so happy. And not having shame and just say, I was fooled. You know, just be honest and, you know, I, I try not to paint this person as a monster because they're not. They're just broken. I don't think that they cared about me, but I know that they don't care about themselves. And, and that to me is like, hey, they're, they're a wounded person and I, um, I wish them the best. And, and that's really so, – so being honest with your friends about like, yeah, there's some things that, that I might have missed. Um, but, but that's, that's on me. And I guess I'll, I'll talk about what, what, what I owned, like what, what's, what's my part in this? Um, I'm not blameless here. You know, I was coming out of a marriage. I was vulnerable, but I, I loved, I, I, the delusion felt so good. You know, it's like, you know what, this is nice. And because it's like, um, I, I, I had some very toxic relationships in the past where I had the butterflies in my stomach and I was always excited. I didn't have that here because she made it feel so comfortable and calm. And I thought that was the sign because she's like, you're my one. I just know it. And I'm like, all right. You know, I just kind of, um, went along with it. So I'm not blameless. And then I would get caught up in it. I would get caught up in the, let's text all the time. Let's, let's do this stuff. Um, and then whenever I would have moments of things are going way too fast, I had to slow down. And then she would say it the next day. And then I'm like, wait a minute, I'm wanting things too fast when it wasn't me. I was being gaslit, but, but just understanding that I, um, it brought a lot of my insecurities insecurities to the surface. It brought a lot of my character defects because my buttons were pushed. And I, it, it showed me a lot of what I want to work on and um, the importance of boundaries because this, it's a slow erosion. Like they don't just like if she had done all of these things day one, you know, she had said she loved me the same day that she had a portrait of my dog and had the two others gave me the keys to her house, had half of her clothes here, wanted to go buy these things for the bedroom. All this like the first day I've been like, this is crazy, but it's a slow, gradual erosion of your boundaries and who you are and an enmeshment that I have a better idea now moving forward of um, the, the need to find myself. And Tish recommended a book that I highly recommend that I got. It's called Single on Purpose. And part of the problem is I don't like being alone. And it was really, the book has been very helpful. And Tish, I want to talk a little bit about how we met. And just the, the difference. So a couple of days after this happened, I felt crazy. I'm like, I've gonna, I'm going to go out and meet people. So I got on a dating site 
And I, Tish was the first person I met. Well, part of it was I, I, I had no sense of self. I had just been destroyed. And the, the irony is, and this is where I'm saying this is making me a better person, where looking at when do I have that neediness? And, and my, my sense of self was shattered. I mean, this was four days later. My universe was spinning. And the person that I thought was my one was just, everything was fake. And the thought of like, oh my God, I'm nothing, just trying to, trying to grasp onto something. And that's what's given me sympathy for this person is, is holy crap, I could, I could be this person if I don't have awareness of who I am and how am I showing up in the world. Um, and you and I talked today, well, we, we've talked since then. And, and uh, so how would you describe just the shift in me since I've kind of um, done, I mean, I'm, I still have work to do, let's be honest. But uh, just the realizations, again, why I'm even doing this podcast, the realization of how these people can affect your personality. Um, what would you say about like, you know, our discussions or earlier or just what do you think in general? Yeah, no, it's been a journey for you. And you as of even as of today, I feel like the the shift in the tone of voice and how you speak and how you how you are presenting yourself is just night and day difference from a week and a half ago. You, yeah. you know, you were honest with me the very next day after our date, which kind of connected the dots and the pieces for me on why I felt like you came across the way you did on our date. Yeah. And then um, you reached out to me and you were honest and you were open and you have texted me and we've had phone conversations around the thoughts in your head and the emotions. And it's been up, down, up, down. And, you know, but you had so much strength behind just wanting to heal and and move past this and just be, you know, okay. Um, and so it's been a journey for you and it's interesting how far you've come in just a week and a half and just that drive to just not want to feel crazy and not want to be in this space because it it doesn't feel it for me. It didn't feel like that was truly you. And I don't, I'm just getting to know you and that you, you know, you said those things, but I felt those things from you. So it's definitely been an up and an ebb and flow up and down journey for you this past week and a half. And it's, it's, it's been kind of actually amazing <laughs> to see um, and really, really um, inspiring to see what you've been going through. Well, thank you. And Stefania has been uh, invaluable as well. Like both of you have just really been there because it is a roller coaster whenever you, you're coming out of the situation because you don't know what to believe. They have shattered the world around you and it takes time. And, you know, it's been challenging, but I am so grateful that I went through it because I now know I have much better control over how to handle my emotions, what's really going on and leaning into some old childhood wounds that I've had of, Hey, it's okay to be alone, uh, and, and working through things. So I am so thankful for this person having come into my life, um, because it's taught me so many lessons and so many things, like even when I'm presenting now and how I kind of brought this thing up, we, we, we see what we look for. And I was looking at the things in this person that they were showing me and ignoring the things I didn't want to see, but were right in front of me. And Malcolm Gladwell has a book called Blink, and it talks about just trust that gut instinct. Like, what is what is your gut instinct? And whenever we try to override it, we we do ourselves such a disservice. Um, so, and the other thing that I'm learning, and this is in regards to like what I'm spending time on myself, and allowing my intuition to reset, because now it's pinging like, you know, as a friend who says, "Oh, I'm going to go to dinner tonight." Like, are they really going to dinner? Are they just like because your, your trust has been violated so egregiously? That it's like, all right, and I know I'm going to trust again. I know I'm going to actually have genuine love. And I read a, a, a meme today because I'm kind of a meme meister. 
talking that, that really resonated with me. It says, don't look at that love as fake whenever you're in a relationship like this. Your love that you had, that's your love. You're capable of loving someone. So don't let someone who wasn't deserving of it, who manufactured these, this fake human being for to, to hurt you, don't let that ruin your ability to love because you have it. You made it. You, you didn't need them. They created a face, a, a fake construct for you to fall in love with. You're capable of that love with a person who deserves it. So there are lessons. So Stefania, what did you learn about your experiences? What's your biggest takeaway? The, my after the first relationship, the one I said that was my first, you know, boyfriend ever. Um, you know, I honestly was so naive. All I thought was, okay, well, I know I'm not going to end up with a man who's aggressive because he would fight and he would get loud and be mean, and and that was my whole thing. I was just like, gentle people moving forward. And then uh, a relationship shortly after that was uh, a yogi, and this was the one who was not very into me. You know, didn't want to spend time with me or invite me to things, and I was like. After that relationship, I was like, wow, we really have to stop thinking about the only thing that we don't want. And we have to start piecing together all of the things we do want and all of the things uh, that would complement me and go well with me and someone who can appreciate, uh, you know, how social I am, how bright the light is uh, without being intimidated by it. So then it really kind of turned my perspective moving forward. You know, it's not about finding uh, someone with a job title or about finding someone within a certain age demographic or someone who has X, Y, and Z or does X, Y, and Z. It is about finding a soul that you want to spend time with. Yeah. So I just feel like, you know, these bad experiences ultimately just helped me think about what I want more. Yeah. Thank you. Tish, what would you say your, your biggest takeaway is? My biggest takeaway is um, self-worth, that I am worthy that I do not have to tolerate or um, be a part of someone's life or have someone be a part of my life um, that doesn't give me what I'm giving in return and that I am worth exactly what I want and what I need. And that does not take away from the person that I am because I'm, I'm a people pleaser. I want to do and be so much for other people and I can still do that and still be that same for me without losing yeah. that. Um, so yeah. Knowing that I'm worthy. Well, thank you. And and you've helped teach me that too. You and Stefania both have, have really helped me kind of find that sense of self with that the the the, the jar of muddy water was there. Just I had to let the let the, the dirt settle to the bottom to really start to get some clarity on, on who I am. Um yeah, for me it's boundaries and yeah, my self-worth and and this is something that I, I am working on as well as a coach, as a speaker, as a healer, is help people who who ask for it not because I think they need it. And like this person was, oh, we're going to redo your business. Let's do your, all your goals and stuff like that. And I didn't, I didn't ask for that at first until she like, and then it made me want to help her. Like again, but now having the awareness of what's my intention, what's my intention of helping? Um, because again, I, I'm, and, and even in times today, I want to apologize if I, if I did get animated, because there is, there's still emotion around this for me. And it's, it's, it's challenging to be completely objective because there's still pain here. And it's, it's something that I'm, I'm still working through, but I'm no longer like I'm free of this person for the most part in regards to um, my, my, like my understanding of wanting to, I don't want to be with them at all. It's just a matter of regaining my sense of self. And that's a process. And they're, they're, I'm still wounded and I'm not going to lie about that, but it allows me to be authentic and connect with people and let them know that I'm, 
it was kind of, it was a nice kick in the ass for me because life was going fantastic and I had no issues. And this is a reminder that there's, there's duality to life. Like you cannot feel the really good without also feeling the really bad. And also not, not everything I feel is mine to feel. So the worst of it, again, as empaths, we absorb these emotions of other people. And did you, did you notice that Stefania or Tish? Like, like, wait a minute, this isn't even me. Like when we feel like crap, it's because we're around someone that feels like crap. And now we feel like crap. Yeah, that was actually one of the first like red flags I started having in that first relationship is when we would have this explosive, you know, wild, whatever the disagreement thing had to be, it would take me about three days past that to feel somewhat of Stefania again. Yeah. And I, I just started having the realization, like, you can't take that much time off of being Stefania. You've got to, there's goals you got to go do. And, and that downtime of rebuilding up your esteem in between the fight every time is a huge detraction yeah. from, you know, what your goals and your focus are. Thank you. And Tish, what about you? Yeah. Same thing. Exact same thing. <laughs> Ditto. 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 Oh, wild. <laughs> and um, I, I do have one more thing to add is, is yeah. now that um, I'm in a very healthy, very solid relationship with a man who I, we've talked about marriage, very much seeing my future with him. Now that I'm in this relationship, sometimes that old stuff will still surface only as contrast of what I'm experiencing now. Like I remember, um, you know, entering this new relationship with my boyfriend, Sam now, he would just do really nice things or he'd be really great or he'd want to spend a lot of time with me, whatever the things were. And it would be such contrast to what I felt like I was used to. And it just blew me away. But if I had to sit down and write about it or tell a friend about it, it sounded so silly because he was just being a gentleman. He was just kind of doing the bare minimum thing. But after getting out of a toxic relationship, you might find yourself in the dating world experiencing things and be like, I can't believe they did that for me. Like, that is crazy. Uh, but going back to exactly what you guys said, you are worthy. And yeah. just realize if you want this beautiful relationship that encompasses, you know, whatever it is that you want, it is out there. You will yeah. get it. But there's no rush. And and that's no. the thing is well, but that that's the thing with people with 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 this cluster is it's kind of like oh I just let's shake hands hey when do you want to get married you know it's it's the it's the we have to move full speed ahead um, you know j just just going in with, with both feet and again when they start to love everything you love and and it's just not real so having the boundaries to pace yourself and to know what's real and don't when I say don't compromise like like be you and then a part of something. Like don't yeah. allow that enmeshment to happen. Um, so and what's what, in difference between us, all of us here, I guess I should say, is that you guys have been married before and in longer marriages prior. Um, I'm at the age where I've got a lot of friends who are starting to stress about their age. And it's, it is a rush thing because they want to find a mate so they can have children by a certain time so their bodies can still do it or they're not going to be, you know, a father who's going to be showing up at high school graduation when he's 70. And so um, I just encourage exactly what you said. Don't rush things. Yeah. And if you were 37 versus 40 when you found the love of your life, what would those three years really have done for you if you settled at 37 with someone else? You know, you're just creating a bigger mess for yourself. That's a great point. So I want to point out to people who are listening to this who might still be in relationships with a narcissist or someone in this in this thing. It's not, it's not as simple as just leaving. And it's not as simple as just saying you're a narcissist and then they say, okay, I'm going to work on that. It's a challenging situation. 
And I was very fortunate and blessed that my intuition saved me. We were supposed to start couples counseling three days after I caught her in bed with someone else. So that my intuition saved me and told me to come home early. But if you find yourself in a situation where you're in, just get professional help from therapists, a counselor. Um, it's not going to be an easy process. Find friends, reach out. There's great resources online. Um, the, the, the Psychopath Free, there's a website that they recommend in here where people can go just to kind of talk about things. Um, if you feel you may have some of these tendencies, again, are, what are you doing to improve yourself or to work on yourself to shore up some of these issues that you may have? Um, to, well, like Tish was saying, I've, I've, in the last two weeks, I have done a ton of work. Not that anyone's, and I still have work to go, but like, are you seeing a therapist on a regular basis? You know, are you, do you have a support group that you talk to? Are you journaling? Are you meditating? Um, or are you just, you know, going out in the desert and doing ayahuasca and thinking that life's going to be good? Like, what are you doing to, and don't get me wrong, there's, there's a space for plant medicine to be incorporated in this, but don't hang your hat on one thing and say, well, I, uh, I did this one thing. Like it's a, it's a holistic approach. Like what are you doing to truly work on yourself? And are you doing it for you? Don't do it for someone else. Do it for yourself. And just again, and this is something I say to everyone, instead of self-improvement, find self-compassion. Really focus on that self-compassion. Love yourself. And if you're someone who either finds yourself that you, you feel you may be one of these things, a sociopath, psychopath. And again, I use these words in the clinical sense. I'm not meaning anything derogatory. It is simply these words. And I know we've used the word crazy today. A lot of times we're just talking about ourselves or how we feel. I mean that with no disrespect, no ill will. It's just a matter of not feeling that my, my, my cognition is where it should be. I mean that not as an insult in the least, just more as discernment rather than judgment. So ladies, I want to thank both of you so much. This is a very challenging subject and a very raw subject where we have to be real about experiences that we've been through. So I, I appreciate both of you so much. Is there anything else uh, either of you would like to add? The only thing I want to note to people listening is that we all have the strength. And I know sometimes we don't feel that. Um, and we often wait for a moment or or the motivation to be able to proceed, whether that's Ramsey to your point, therapy, or just looking into things, just Feel your intuition and gut and just take action because that motivation, that that acknowledgement will will and that strength that you already have inside of you will come through. So thank you. I'm gonna end with the introduction from the book Psychopath Free. I think it's important. Finding yourself involved with a psychopath is an adventure, that's for sure. It'll open your eyes to human nature, our broken society, and perhaps most important of all, your own spirit. It's a dark journey that will throw you into spells of depression rage and loneliness. It will unravel your deepest insecurities, leaving you with a lingering emptiness that haunts your every breath. But ultimately, it will heal you. And I'm so thankful for this experience I had, which has taught me about myself and other people and for meeting great other people along the way that uh, can understand and to make me know that I'm not alone. So thank you both so much. And thank you guys for listening or watching. And I'm going to be doing more of these. And I have a feeling that both Stefania and Ortish will be back in future episodes. So thank you and enjoy the rest of your day. And again, instead of self-improvement, focus on self-compassion.